0: Hi again, this is Daniel J. Hogan, and welcome back to the Magic Avery podcast, brought to you by Magickavery.com. Last time, our heroes left the Underwater Kingdom and returned to the surface world riding the Rock Lobster. As they flew over Tull, the Duck City, they saw that it had been destroyed by the Hawk King and his Pyrix. Several Pyrix gave chase, and Steve learned that the Staff of Arcana could turn into different objects when it turned into an old trash can lid. Stay updated. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, just search for M O E podcast, or you can follow me on Twitter, at Daniel J. Hogan. You can also like the podcast on Facebook. And now, the next wonderful episode of The Magic of Aerie. Episode 16 Flight of the Rock Lobster. The Earth inspected the trash can lid. It was dented in dull silver in color. This trash can? You. Didn't have it with you before? Steve gave Zeroth a look that said, What do you think? No, I, uh, suppose not. Zeroth held out a clawed hand. Let me take a closer look. Steve handed the trash can lid to him. Instantly, there was a flash, and the lid disappeared. All that remained in Zeroth's hand was the staff of Arcana. Uh Aha! said Era.
1: What do you mean, uh aha? Isn't it obvious? Enlighten me.
0: The staff
1: of Arcana can turn
0: into different objects. How? It's just a stick. Magic.
1: Yeah, yeah, magic.
0: Steve sighed as Zeroth handed the staff back to him. I hate to interrupt, but we still have two visitors behind us, said Uncle Shameless. Roscoe emitted a low mumble, which was still very loud given the creature's enormous size. Uncle Shameless nodded. Hang on to your potatoes. Everyone grabbed onto Roscoe's body as the rock lobster did a quick roll in midair in order to face one of the pyrix. The fiery attacker screeched and dove at Roscoe, but the rock lobster struck first. One of Roscoe's mouth tendrils, the one that Xeroth had not cut, whipped out at the pyrix and coiled around it like an angry snake with a quick snap. The tendril whipped the Pyrex toward Roscoe and into his waiting, massive beak, which promptly crushed the Pyrex with a mighty bite. Roscoe roared with delight. I've heard of spicy food, but this is ridiculous. This
1: whole place is ridiculous, if you haven't noticed.
0: Oh, if I have, I just decided to sit back and enjoy the ride. Steve crossed his arms and glared at his uncle.
1: And just what do you mean by that?
0: Lighten up. You may just have some fun by accident. A volley of fireballs whizzed over their heads as the last pyrex chased after them. It was keeping its distance, having learned from watching the destruction of its companions. Let's just continue on. Good idea, Uncle Shameless said as he ducked to avoid a fireball. He crawled to the top of Roscoe's head. Fly as fast as you can, buddy. Let's... Dust that sucker! Roscoe chirped a pleasant response and sped up the beating of his wings. The ground far below them was rapidly turning from forested to bleak and barren. Where
1: are we going?
0: Smoldering wastes. It is a desert that surrounds Arx
1: Why would anyone want to take over a kingdom in the middle of the desert? It wasn't always a desert. The Hawk King used his dark magic to
0: curse the land. And to keep everyone away.
1: Oh yeah, that old trick.
0: The plants and trees abruptly disappeared, and an endless sea of sand stretched far into the horizon. Look! Era cried. The last of the Pyrex had stopped at the edge of the desert and was flying in place.
1: Why won't it follow us over the desert?
0: Steve asked, even though he did not really mind. He was tired of dodging fireballs. Don't know. Must have forgot its sunblock. Huh? Said Uncle Shameless. He slapped Steve on the back as he left. From the edge of the desert, the pyrex screeched, turned, and flew away, leaving a trail of flame in the sky. The sun was setting, but it was still light enough to clearly glimpse the sea of sand beneath them. While Steve surveyed the surroundings, Xurath put Gladius and his shield away. We're safe for now. Why don't you try using the staff again? Fine. Steve took out the simple wooden stick that had only moments ago turned into a trash can lid. He held it and waved it around. Nothing happened.
1: Why isn't it working?
0: Maybe you have to think of something. Yeah, think of a weapon. Think of something really nasty looking. Steve tried as hard as he could to think of a weapon, but was not really sure what to think about. He looked away, and a quick image popped into his head. There was a flash, and the staff was replaced by the thought of weapon. Ziot stared at Steve's conjured weapon with great interest. Okay. Okay he said, choosing his words carefully. "'I think you're gonna need some more practice with this.' Steve blinked and looked over to see an old, rusty rake in his hand. Its handle was a boring orange color, long and full of deep scratches. The blue metal rake part at the end was virtually covered in rust. Several of the spokes were missing, and more than a few were bent backwards.' making it absolutely useless in the task of raking up leaves. However, the most bizarre part was that it was the same exact rake Steve used back home in Beacon Pines.
1: This this is the rake I use back home when my dad makes me rake up the leaves.
0: Hmm. It does not look like it would be well suited for that task.
1: You got that right. But my dad refuses to buy a new one because it was a wedding present. The rotten thing is older than I am.
0: Yeah, that sounds like your dad alright. It's
1: the first thing I thought of. I have to clean up the yard a lot back home. Dad is kind of nuts about his yard. And who gives a rake as a wedding present, anyway?
0: Uh, well, um, uh, you see, it was a Sunday, and the only thing open was... Uncle Shameless mumbled something unintelligible. Zeth smiled as he tried to hide his amusement. Don't worry. It'll be fine for now. Zeoth looked around and took notice of the wind, as it had picked up considerably the last few minutes. Is it getting windier? It certainly feels like it. Lots well, of... A... Sand it around too. A sandstorm began to form about the rock lobster. The wind began howling like a deranged wolf as sharp grains of sand began to cut into everyone. Roscoe was having problems seeing and was practically flying with his eyes closed. Spit Uncle Shameless, trying to get the sand out of his mouth. What's going on? It's just a sandstorm. "'It'll pass.' "'This isn't a regular sandstorm. "'The whole sky is blocked out!' Everyone looked up and down, and all they could see was sand and more sand. Roscoe began swaying back and forth as he fought to stay level in the violent sandstorm. "'You are trembling,' said a booming woman's voice but no one could understand a single word over the howling wind.
1: What was that?
0: Steve asked as he looked around. The voice seemed to come from all directions. <metal>
1: I-N-R-R-S-A-N. <driving probl>
0: Did you say resting? I don't know what you mean.
1: No, i saw. what? Oh. R-
0: the wind's too loud, Uncle Shameless yelled as he put his hands over his ears and shook his hand to illustrate the point.
1: Oh, for love,
0: muttered a gravelly woman's voice. Instantly, the wind stopped and all the sand blowing around in the air froze in place. cloud of sand appeared in front of Roscoe, and it hovered in midair and solidified in the body of an old, craggy-faced woman with bad posture. Her skin and body were made entirely out of sand.
1: I hope she at least has a good personality.
0: The woman pointed a long, skinny finger with an equally long and skinny nail at the group.
1: I said all of you were trespassing.
0: Oh, trespassing. Yeah, that makes sense, said Uncle Shameless. Then he thought about the statement as he sipped some elder cherry wine. Wait, no, though. Trespassing where?
1: On my deserts.
0: Look here, lady. I know nothing about this so-called deserter yours. I know better to take food from a lady, especially one with such interesting features as yours. Steve pulled on his uncle's sleeve to get his attention, so he could point out his mistake. I don't know, boy, grown-ups are talking. Uh, furthermore, how dare you accuse us of something we didn't even uh, do? What's your problem, lady? The woman made of sand merely floated in midair, confused. She finally spoke.
1: What do you mean you didn't do it? Look where you are. You're in it.
0: Uncle Shameless looked around, thinking perhaps he stepped on her dessert, but could not see any signs of a dessert anyway. He reached into his pocket and pulled out a tattered dollar bill. Look here, lady, here's a dollar. You can just go and scoot yourself down to the bridge candy and cone and get yourself a nice ice cream cone on me. Uncle- Hush, boy, said Uncle Shameless as he continued to wave the dollar around and smiled broadly. The woman made of sand narrowed her gritty eyes and her mouth melted into a nasty sneer. She pointed a long, sandy finger at the dollar bill. A blast of sharp, rocky sand shot at the dollar, ripping it to shreds. Hey, what'd you do that for? That was my favorite dollar. She
1: said desert, not dessert.
0: Uncle Shameless thought for a moment as he took another sip of elder cherry wine. He then looked at the woman and to the still stationary wall of sand surrounding them. Oh, "'Yeah, I guess we are kind of trespassing.' The woman made of sand bellowed an evil laugh and snapped her fingers. The wind and the sand began blowing around the rock lobster again. Steve watched as the woman drew back her arm as if she were preparing to push something. "'Have a nice trip!' "'Why, thank you!' The sandy woman shot her arms forward in a pushing motion. A huge gust of wind and sand flew at Roscoe, throwing him and the passengers backward through the air." All the while, they heard the woman's deep, gravelly laugh. They were knocked clear out of the smoldering waste by the mighty wind, and Roscoe could not control his flying. Everyone held tightly onto his back and screamed, except Uncle Seamus, who was actually enjoying the ride. The mighty wind sent Roscoe into a forest on the outskirts of the smoldering wastes, and the large creature was able to control his crash landing just enough so that he did not land on his back. He skidded into the forest floor. Knocking over several trees with his bulky body. Uncle Shameless, somewhat numb to pain due to his level of intoxication, dusted himself off and stood up on Roscoe's back. All right, then, who ain't dead? He was answered with three groans and a low growl. Steve rolled over and spit sand out of his mouth.
1: She definitely does not have a good personality.
0: You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast. A free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan, available at magicaverry.com and through the iTunes Music Store. Well, that coulda went better. Oh, I
1: thought it went swell.
0: Steve helped Era climb down to the forest floor, and the pelican woman coughed up sand and wiped her eyes. <coughs> Ick.
1: I wouldn't give to be underwater again. No, thank you. I've had my fill of underwater adventures.
0: Uncle Shameless joined everyone on the forest floor. He inhaled deeply, only to cough violently for a few moments, as he, too, coughed up sand and dirt from his lungs. Oh, man, this this drives me of the time I worked at a gravel pit. Now, that was some dirty work, let me tell you. You see, I was in charge of... Fill in these sandbags, one day this giant of a man came by
1: Can we save that for later, please?
0: Uncle Shameless shrugged and helped himself to more Elder Cherry wine as he walked over to check on Roscoe. Steve looked up at Zero, then up.
1: I guess that sand lady is not going to just let us fly over the smoldering waste, huh?
0: Not likely.
1: There must be another way around.
0: I doubt it. Arx Aquila is in the center of the smoldering waste, atop Titan Mountain, said to be... I... Don't care what it's said to be, said Steve. The last thing he wanted to hear about at the moment was some kind of magic mountain in the middle of the cursed desert. He changed the subject.
1: Any idea who that lady was?
0: The Sandwich.
1: The sandwich?
0: Steve asked, looking at Zeroth.
1: You're kidding, right?
0: The birdman gave Steve a puzzled look. I didn't say anything. Steve looked over at Era. She shook her head as well.
1: Well if you didn't
0: Steve pointed to Zeroth.
1: And if you didn't
0: he pointed to Era. He glanced behind him back at Uncle Shameless to see his uncle stumbling around Roscoe.
1: And he didn't. Then who?
0: Over here! Steve looked in the direction of the voice, only to find a tree.
1: No, no, not a talking tree. That's all
0: I need. I am not a tree. A tree is not nearly as amazing as I am. Great. So it's a shrub with an ego problem. Steve mumbled as he walked toward his elusive advisor. The boy reached where the voice had come from and looked around, but he did not see anyone or anything. His head was starting to hurt as he was getting tired of all the crazy things that had happened so far. It was bad enough to have just gone through a crash landing atop a giant bird lobster. He was not in the mood for playing blind man's bluff with a mysterious creature. Also, with the sun almost set, a spooky blanket of darkness was starting to drape itself over the forest. Over here! Steve turned and looked in the direction of the voice. It was coming from straight in front of him, yet he could not see anything.
1: Okay, I give up. Where are you?
0: Right here in front of you.
1: Look, I don't have time for this. It's getting dark out. We still have to figure out how to get past this crazy sand lady.
0: Sand witch?
1: Whatever. Regardless, I'm not in the mood.
0: Steve snapped as he turned to leave. Silly me! I know what the problem is. You can't see me. Were you even listening to me? Said Steve. Who couldn't believe he was arguing with a mysterious voice. But then he thought to himself that it was perhaps the least crazy thing he had done all day. I'll fix everything, just stay there. I just need to turn a bit.
1: What are you talking
0: about? It was all that escaped Steve's mouth before his jaw dropped. In front of Steve stood a great orange tiger, complete with black and white stripes. But this was no ordinary-looking tiger. It was completely flat, yet stood upright. Its body was constructed of floating squares and rectangles. One large rectangle formed the body of the irregular tiger while columns of smaller squares formed the limbs and tail. A medium-sized square formed the head and was topped by two smaller squares for a set of boxy ears. Steve thought to himself that it looked like a tiger that had been rolled flat by a giant rolling pin. Now he knew why he had not seen the tiger when it claimed to be standing in front of him. Because it was flat and turned edgewise, he could not see the tiger at all. Once it moved so that Steve was looking at its front side, the tiger stood out plainly. Zeroth, Carrying a hastily made torch, along with Era, joined Steve next to the paper tiger. Xeroth studied the odd creature in the flickering torchlight. Era gasped in amazement. Steve looked to tiger over and over, before finally asking,
1: And what are you exactly?
0: Why, I'm a paper tiger, of course.
1: Of course.
0: Surely you've heard of me. Steve, Xeroth, and Era all shook their heads in unison. Paper tiger blinked his square eyes in disbelief. But I am the most ferocious of felines. Steve and his two companions shook their heads once again. I am the most canny of cats, Steve merely shrugged. The most terrifying of tigers, yelled the paper tiger, showing his flat paper teeth. Steve and the others once again shook their heads, having never heard of the two-dimensional feline. But, but muttered the Paper Tiger, unable to grasp the situation of these strangers of not knowing who he was. Just then, Uncle Shameless stumbled over. "'What's with all the yelling over here?' he said as he joined Steve, Era, and Zeroth. He turned his head to see the new and odd creature before him. "'Oh, hi there, Mr. Paper Tiger!' Everyone turned in surprise toward Uncle Shameless, except the Paper Tiger, whose flat face broke into a large smile. "'See!' "'I told you I was well-known!' The paper tiger bowed politely, causing part of his body to curl back and forth. Steve leaned in close to his uncle. "'How did you know who he was?' "'He's a tiger made of paper. What else was I going to call him? Susan?' <music> the paper tiger followed the others back toward Roscoe, who was laying low on the ground and making odd chirping sounds. "'We have a problem, kids.' "'Poor old Roscoe up and busts one of his wings in our little landing earlier.'" Uncle Shameless pointed to the rock lobster's right wing, which was hanging limply. "'Where is this Roscoe character?' asked the paper tiger. "'Perhaps I can help little fellow out. I am, after all, the most canny of—'
1: "'Cats, yeah, we know,'
0: Steve said with a groan. He pointed to the rock lobster. "'That's Roscoe.'" The paper tiger turned his body in the direction of Steve's pointing and immediately jumped back. "'What is that thing?' he yelled, looking nervously at Roscoe's scissor-like claws. That's Roscoe, he's rock lobster. A rock lobster, you say, said the paper tiger with a broad, flat smile. Well, I have nothing to fear from him, then, the tiger boasted as he hopped over toward the wounded Roscoe. Fear me, O beast, for I am mighty, the paper tiger yelled as he lashed out at the helpless rock lobster with a paper claw. His claw struck Roscoe's body and had no effect. In fact, his paw was bent backwards from the force of the blow. The paper tiger kept swatting at Roscoe, but because he was made of flat paper, only ended up fanning Roscoe with each strike. Steve gave Zero a confused look as the paper tiger continued his two-dimensional assault. Who
1: is this fruitcake?
0: Roscoe paid no attention to the odd creature, although he did enjoy the cool air that the funny creature was fanning toward him. The paper tiger eventually stopped after Roscoe fell asleep. And let that be a lesson to you. This guy is
1: all talk. He couldn't hurt a house of cards.
0: Zeroth nodded, agreeing with Steve's opinion of the Piper Tiger's uselessness. The two-dimensional beast trotted over to Steve. Now, where were we?
1: I don't think we were anywhere, actually.
0: Oh, I remember. The sandwich.
1: Yeah, that.
0: Can you... help us? I certainly can. Steve pulled Zero at the aside.
1: What's he going to do, fan her to death?
0: What do we have to lose?
1: Fine, you can help us.
0: We still have one problem. Roscoe is hurt, and we need him to fly us to Arx Aquila.
1: I can help with that,
0: Eris said as she hobbled over to the wounded creature and climbed on top of Roscoe with help from Zero. Steve and the paper tiger ambled over the watch. Steve wondered what Eris was going to do to heal Roscoe. He was certain he had heard Eris say she was out of her healing potion back on the Griffin. Era lifted up her cane and grabbed the hold of one of the sides of the T-shaped handle. She pulled on it quickly. Part of the handle came off in her hand. To Steve's surprise, the handle was actually a hidden knife. It was not a fancy knife or very big, but it certainly looked very sharp to Steve. And he wondered what she was going to do with it. This concludes today's episode of The Magic of Aira. Please join us again next time. How can the paper tiger help our heroes? Who is a sandwich anyway? Just what is ERA going to do with that knife? Find out in the next exciting episode of The Magic of ERA. To help support this free podcast, please use the PayPal donate button on the website. The copyright date of this episode was November 30th, 2010. The Magic of ERA, the podcast. Written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan. This podcast was produced in GarageBand and Audacity on a Mac. Some sound effects and music are provided by freesound.org. Other sound effects and music provided by GarageBand. For more information or to buy a copy of the original novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And as always, thanks for listening.